The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode 24 of the Landscape Photography Show. You know, if you remember a few weeks back, well, more than a few weeks back, I guess several weeks back, I did an episode of just me talking about mental health and landscape photography. And I was really afraid to do that podcast. Number one, because I've never really done a podcast like that before. It took a lot of preparation and honestly, it took a lot of self-exploration in what I was going through at the time. So not only was it scary to do that, but I was also worried that it wouldn't resonate with anybody and nobody would really get it or download it. And people would re- who did download it would really think like, why am I wasting my time listening to this? But after a few weeks of it being out, I got more feedback on that episode from people on Instagram, from emails that I got through my website. I got them through Facebook. So many people reached out and thanked me for creating that episode because of so many similar things in their life that they went through that they were able to revisit and kind of think back to how photography helped them through whatever they were going through. And I know I don't understand what everybody else went through. I can only speak to what I went through, but it was extremely humbling and also exciting at the same time to listen to the stories of people reach out to me and say, hey, I deal with anxiety, I deal with relationships, I deal with addictions. All of that stuff was incredible to hear from your side of the talking booth. You know, my talking booth is this podcast and my little office that I sit in while I do it. I don't know if you can hear my dog's feet tapping across the floor right now as he's in here with me. But it is so cool to be able to hear your stories and hear some of the things that you're going through as well. And I don't say or, or claim to be any type of like psychiatrist or counselor or anything like that. I just think that for the most part, we are a community that understands the creative process and that understands photography. And when somebody has a struggle that they go through, I think that we can all kind of rally together and talk about some of the things that we've been through in our own lives and are able to relate back to that and kind of lift that person up through our bravery and being honest with one another. Now, today's episode is another one that I'll just preface this by saying I'm afraid to make because it's interesting to me, this topic, in how it relates to photography and not like how it relates creatively, but how it allows me to realize how I relate to landscape photography, how I think about landscape photography, and then also how I relate to other people who like landscape photography. So I want to talk about personality types and landscape photography. So what I want you to do is think back with me 
to the last time you went out to take photos. Think back to what was going on around you, what you saw, what you smelled, what you heard, what you felt. If you were by the ocean, maybe you felt some sea mist on you. If you were high up in the mountains, maybe you felt the cool, crisp mountain air that was hitting your skin. Maybe you had just finished a cup of coffee and you still tasted that coffee in your mouth. All those things are going to take you right back to the last place that you took photos. But I want you to think back after you go through all of those feelings physically. But I want you to think about what was going through your mind while you were out shooting. What were you thinking about? Were you thinking about deep life questions like life and death? You know, oftentimes when I'm out shooting, I think about topics of deep things. Like when people I know have passed away and have died, were they ready for it? I know that sounds kind of morbid, but honestly, that's just kind of how my mind works. Thinking about really deep emotional life-considering topics. Not only that, if I'm shooting night photography, I'll look out at the stars and think about how small we actually are. How far am I actually looking out into the sky? What galaxies could I be seeing but not actually realizing that they're there with my eye because they're so far away? It makes me feel so small and it makes me feel part of a big, big story that I can't even comprehend. Or maybe you don't think about that stuff at all. Maybe you're thinking about how you can get the shot. Maybe you're thinking about the settings of your camera, what lens you're going to use. Maybe you're the technical and analytical person who wants to know exactly what settings are going to get that perfect shot. And even if it is half a stop overexposed, half a stop underexposed, you want to get that exposure right on the zero of that metering bar so you know you snagged the perfect exposure. Maybe you want to know all about the data that's represented in your histogram. Neither is right nor wrong. And I think that's the big takeaway from today's podcast is there's neither a right personality nor a wrong personality when it pertains to life, when it pertains to landscape photography, when it pertains to self. There only is what is. That's how you're constructed and made. So now I want you to think about what you struggle with in photography. Do you struggle with envisioning the shot, creativity, envisioning that final product that you want to shoot? Do you struggle with the analytical side and the technology side, the gear side, what settings to use, what lens to use? How do you do that? How do you put all of these numbers and figures together to create that photo that you can envision? but you can't get the settings down in your mind right. Or maybe you struggle with getting so tied up in that one composition that you've seen and all of the research that you've done about the location that you're going to shoot at. That's one of the things I struggle with personally is really getting tied to one vision that I've seen in my mind, whether I've put it there myself in this fantasy that I've come up with of the conditions that are going to be there or through my research 
a picture that somebody else has shot and a composition that somebody else has made. And I struggle with seeing other compositions that aren't that one. But now I want you to really do a gut check with me here. And I did this gut check right before I started recording. I did this gut check last time I went out to shoot and I've made this gut check a part of my workflow whenever my boots hit the trail. I want you to do this gut check and I really want you to be honest about your personal intention to actually pick the camera up and, and take a photograph. What is your personal intention and what is your personal motivation to get the shot? And this isn't what you're passionate about in landscape photography. This is your internal motivation to create something. And it's gonna be a little bit different for every single person listening. Your intention is gonna tell you a lot about yourself and it's gonna tell you a lot about your personality. Your intentions tell you who you are as a person, how you're constructed, how you think about the world, how you envision a photograph, how you want to edit a photograph, how you share that photograph, how you talk about that photograph with other people, how do you relate to other photographers when you're talking about that photograph. Your intention is going to be that main core objective that leads you to sharing about that image that you are creating. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, Dave, you are almost 10 minutes into this podcast now and you've hit us with some really deep topics and I'm not sure I can hang real yet, but I just want to tell you that hang in there. I'm going to share some resources with you about how you can learn more about your personality type. Now, the intention of this podcast and when I say personality types, I know a lot of people, myself included, go straight to, you will not put me in a box. And I totally agree with that. I hate personality type tests. I hate being labeled four letters in the alphabet that are going to tell me everything I need to know about myself. That's not really too accurate. And there are a lot of flaws in a lot of these personality tests. My goal here is to help you to understand why you love photography and why you either struggle with relating to others about photography or you're really good at it. Why you have specific intentions with photography or why you struggle with creativity or the analytical side of photography. I think all this is going to help you like photography better. All of this is going to help you understand who you are as a person and who you are as a creator of photos a lot better. To do this, I've been using the Enneagram and it's really helped me learn more about myself. It's helped me learn more about others and it's helped me learn about my core intentions that steer my actions and my thoughts. And when I talked about mental health and landscape photography and 
some of the anxiety and panic attacks and PTSD that I went through, if you want to listen to that podcast, it's in the show notes for this episode at the very bottom of the page. You can go to davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast slash personality and find the link to that episode there. But I've been using the Enneagram because it really helps me understand self. And when I started in landscape photography, let's go back all the way to 2010. I had a Canon Rebel T2i and I was ready to go dominate the photography world because I thought that nobody else saw the world like I did. I thought that the way I saw the world was revolutionary or something new because I could look at somebody's photograph and immediately think, well, I probably would have done it this way or I would have changed this about that image. And it really made me feel unique. And I do think all of our thoughts are unique, but I think what I struggled with when I started in photography was thinking that I was the only person who saw the world that way. What I quickly realized when I got on websites like 500px, when I started talking with other photographers, when I got on Instagram and Instagram became a big thing or on Facebook, what I realized was other photographers had seen the exact same thing I saw. And I was really confused and it was almost like a loss of self at that point. And I really struggled with that for a long time. And, you know, the intention, the thought of taking a photograph at first, mine was nobody saw the world the way I see it. So I'm going to share what I see and how I view things in everyday life and I really wanted to make that a part of my photography but over time my mantra has really become there is no good or bad there just is and you creatively and personally put yourself into an image something that you are happy with and that's unique to your own vision. Whether somebody else has shot it before or not, there's probably a tweak here and there that's a little bit different that makes it mine. And the Enneagram has really helped me do that. My takeaways from learning about the Enneagram, and I know some of you are like, oh, this is like a commercial for the Enneagram. I don't even know where money for the Enneagram goes. I listen to people who talk about the Enneagram stuff. My wife and I talk about Enneagram and personalities of people that we are friends with and that we interact with from time to time. You know, I even struggle sometimes with putting people who come on this show into a box when I label them a specific Enneagram type in my mind while I'm talking with them. I can easily say, oh, you're a this on the Enneagram in my mind while I'm talking to them. But my takeaways, and and that's not the intention, by the way, my takeaways are that it's really helped me with relationships, both in person and online of how I relate to other people about landscape photography. And it's helped me build a lot of really good, deep, meaningful relationships about landscape photography with people online. 
But more so than that, it's helped me relate to myself and my landscape photography and the creative side and the analytical side of my brain more while I am constructing an image in the field, seeing how I see different things in a more personal and realistic way. So just a very brief synopsis of what the Enneagram does, and I'll give you the nine types, is that it separates everybody into nine types or like ideas or core motivations to the way that they think. Now, it's not putting you in a box, and that's one of the things that I like so much about it is that in different situations, you can jump to other types based on your settings, based on your confidence level, based on your uh, level of distrust. You know, there are positive and negatives. There are growths that you can get out of it that are really related to all of these types. So I will share a brief synopsis of all the types every single one for nine. While I'm reading these, I want you to listen for what you might be on the Enneagram spectrum. Now, I'm not an Enneagram expert by any means, just like I'm not a counselor or a therapist for any means. I just want you to listen to these and kind of get the wheels turning in your brain on how you may be able to use these to relate to photography and the creative process a little bit more. Type one is called the reformer. And this gains worthiness and love through being good, correcting error in self, others, and the world. They suffer from anxiety about getting it right and delays in action until things are right. They suppress personal needs, they delay pleasure, and can become engulfed in detail that impairs productivity. They have gifts in honesty, industry, responsibility, uh, being ethical and being fair. They will work hard for vision of improvement and their goal is to really embody integrity through perfection and be beyond repro reproach. That is their main motivation of everything they do. Type two is called the helper. This person seeks approval, love, and fulfillment of needs through giving to significant others what they want in hopes that they will give back. Alters to meet needs of others, many selves develop. Denial of own needs and authentic self leads to feeling stifled and longing for freedom, and their gifts are giving, being supportive, sensitive to others' needs and feelings, being energetic, romantic, and their goal, their motivation, is to stay connected through partnership. Now, as I read through these, I can hear you thinking to yourself, there's a lot of negative too in there, but there's also a lot of positive. The Enneagram is very honest about what each type needs to improve in themselves, and that's really what I like about it. Type three is the achiever. Believes love and approval will be the reward of performance, achievement, and success. They adjust and adapt self to the desired image. They equate self with performance. They keep busy and they focus on looking good. Misses on own feelings, deceives self about their own needs, and their gifts are being optimistic, accomplished, 
very good in leadership, efficiency, positivity, and again, confidence. Their goal is to be productive and feel outstanding through personal success. Type four is the individualist. Intense emotional highs and lows, fears of abandonment and loss, driven to search for lost ideal and love, dissatisfied with life as it is, and they long for an un for the unavailable so lives in the past or future succumbs to sadness and melancholy melancholy creates dramatic crisis in self and they feel unique and special the one on the outside looking in their gifts are depth and intensity of feeling they're creative they have a desire to express the essence of life, they're empathetic, and they have a goal to become authentic through unique personal expression. Type 5 is the investigator. The investigator defends self from intrusion of feelings of inadequacy through protecting privacy. They hold back strong feelings, limits desires and needs, minimalist lifestyle, security comes through knowledge and information, enjoys living in their own mind and a world of ideas, compartmentalizes people and situations, detaches from emotion and life, and their gifts are being knowledgeable, respectful, mental clarity, dependable, thoughtful, and their main goal is to maintain detachment and achieve total knowledge through objective intelligence. If this sounds familiar, it's because this is my type. Type six is the loyalist. Too much, too much fear of fear. <laughs> Seek safety from harm in a dangerous world through vigilance by imagining the worst case outcome in order to prepare. Looks for the hidden agenda. Mistrusts others. Is both obedient and rebellious with authority. Ambivalent, indecisive for fear of error. Their gifts are warm, loyal, intuitive, imaginative, and usually have a great sense of humor. Their goal is to achieve security through careful observation and alertness. Type 7 is the enthusiast. Attempts to avoid fright and pain by escaping into fun, pleasure, and imagination sees life as limitless possibilities with many options, moves away from restriction and boredom and goes toward freedom, variety, and interesting experiences. Difficulty with commitment and follow through. Their motto, don't worry, be happy. Gifts are outgoing, playful, creative, imaginative, optimistic, idealistic, love of life. And their goal is to stay upbeat and excited through current enjoyment and positive Future. I think I heard it best when somebody described type 7s as ready, fire, aim in their actions. Type 8 is the challenger. Believes being strong, powerful, and domineering is the only route to safety. Aggressive and impulsive. Expresses anger readily, but has difficulty feeling dependency or softer emotions. Admires strength denies own weakness or fear, and their gifts are being courageous, good leadership qualities, powerful, straightforward, protective of the weak, and their goal is to embody power through control and dominance. Type 9 is the peacemaker. Seeks acceptance and comfort by forgetting the self and att attending to others, has fallen asleep to own feelings, desires, and life direction merges with others to gain a self of belonging and harmony, avoids conflict and anger, passive-aggressive when upset, 
and their gifts are non-judgmental, supportive, being accepting, good mediators, empathetic, positive, trusting, and their goal is to seek peace through understanding and acquiescence. So reading through those, I know it took a little bit longer than I actually wanted it to when I was writing down these notes, but it may have helped you weed out which ones you aren't and kind of dive into which ones that you may be. I think more introspective looks at ourselves will give us clear answers on which type that we might be drawn to. But I would warn you that when you are thinking about your types and how they are able to relate you to photography and through the journey of experience and creativity, that you need to be really, really honest with yourself about the cons as well as the pros. And oftentimes what happens is you end up being the Enneagram type that you don't necessarily want to be. I didn't want to be a five when I looked at this and really asked other people to give their input on what they thought I was. I wanted to be more like a seven who loves life and is energetic, but that's just not personally me. So be really honest with yourself. And if it helps you ask others to rate your personality type as well. So what I wanna do here from this point is be really, really vulnerable with you and describe me and my experiences once I understood that I was drawn to the number five and that why it really pertains to me. Number one, I am an introverted person. I am a person who draws back and enjoys quiet time. I enjoy soft easy, calm music. If I do go to a coffee shop, I'll usually sit in a corner and put my headphones in. Even if there's no music playing or sound on them, I just want them in so nobody talks to me. That may sound really rude, but oftentimes that's what I do. Even on an airplane, if you're sitting next to me and you find yourself close to me, you'll find me with earbuds in, but nothing playing on them because I don't want you talking to me on the airplane. And it really comes into the fact that I have a limited amount of energy each day. And this is something really specific to fives on this uh, nine personality type spectrum is that fives tend to have a set amount of energy each day. They go to sleep, they recharge in energy, but they only have that amount for a day. And here's what I'm talking about. If I wake up, I can immediately plan out my entire day on the task that I have. And what I'll tend to do is set up places that I'll go throughout my house or out running errands. And I know how much energy or how much time each one of those tasks is going to take. But if something throws that off, I'm able to readjust my plans, shift the amount of energy that I think it's going to take in each situation. But when my energy is gone for the day, it's gone. There is no napping, recharging, reading and recharging. My energy is gone and I feel just completely exhausted and I can't get that energy feeling back until I wake up the next morning. That's a very common feeling among the five type. 
We're also very deep thinkers, and this is something that comes into my life as a deep thinker. I think really, really hard about life, about myself, about creativity, and this is what comes in with landscape photography a lot. I really think deeply about every single image that I'm creating. Is this the best composition that I can make? How do I make this composition better? What can I weed out? What can I put in? And it also helps me think about the story of an image. What are very small items that I can take from what I know about a place and a culture and a landscape and subtly place those into a composition that allows me and helps me to tell a story and create a more unique and interesting photograph. Now these types, my type, the type five, is often called the observer. Again, this helps me in landscape photography when I'm out shooting by myself. I observe everything before I take a photo and I know that I see everything, whether that's through a process of learning what a landscape is and what features are there. Or if I take a photo, I'm able to observe and weed out what I don't want in that composition and look at the photo very detached from emotional connection to that place. That really helps me in constructing and creating a photograph. However, it hurts me in the fact that I don't have a strong connection to place, but I do have a strong connection to the photo itself. Again, that hurts me because in post-processing, when I come in, I personally have to make that decision to detach from a photo and look at it really objectively so that I can create an edit that complements the photograph well. I can tend to rush through my edits and push out a photograph that I can look at a year later and think, what was I thinking there? Because that is a really bad edit and I should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. So I tend to force myself to take longer editing, maybe even days at a time taking breaks to come back and look at the photo objectively. I'm also a minimalist. I don't like to buy a lot of camera gear. I don't like to take a lot of camera gear out in the field with me. I don't necessarily like using filters because it just clutters up my workflow and frustrates me. So the minimalism of my photography gear and my lifestyle really reflects minimalism in my type five. Now, this is something that, uh, this next trait is something that I really, really struggle with with landscape photography. And some of you may fall into this too. This is very common with fives, is that we tend to preview and review every single thing that we go through, whether that be a conversation with somebody. If I know I'm going to have coffee or meet with somebody, I tend to preview in my mind and create this fantasy of everything that we're gonna talk about, the mood of what the meeting is gonna be, and just the questions asked, answers received. And I tend to create this fantasy in my mind about that. And then when it's over, I'll go back home or sit in my car and I'll tend to review everything that I said throughout that meeting and think about, was this the right thing to say? I'm, I'm not really sure here. I do the exact same thing 
with my landscape photography. I preview what conditions are gonna be, what settings I'm gonna use, what light's gonna be, and that's completely unrealistic in landscape photography. And I've really, really had to work on this to become a better photographer and a more creative photographer because what I used to do is go out in the field, I would have this vision of what conditions were going to be and what the result of the photograph was going to be. And if it wasn't that, I would become really agitated. I would get down on myself as a photographer. You know, I suck at photography. I can't create a good photo based on my vision when the reality is the conditions just didn't match this fantasy that I constructed in my mind. So, and then reviewing that, I always think whenever I leave a location that I just took photos in, I always think, well, maybe I, I missed this shot because I didn't, you know, rotate my camera this way, or maybe I should have shot that landscape instead of vertical. No matter how much work and prep I did while I was there at the location, I'll always come back and doubt what I did through my review process. And that's really struggling in the creative process and for me as a photographer, and it's something that leads to the next trait of often feeling empty and lonely whenever I go out and shoot alone because those doubts start to creep in. And then I think, why am I out here? Why am I even doing this? Like, what's my goal here? Why am I spending so much time away from home when I can't even create a photograph that I envision in my mind? So all these things tend to start to snowball, which then leads to the next. And my main core objective is searching for competency through knowledge and gaining knowledge about a topic. So one of the things that's very common for fives and why I think a lot of landscape photographers are fives is that we want to know everything about a topic when we tend to latch on to it. Whether that is the creative process of photography or whether that is the technology that we use to create a photograph. And I think a lot of people will relate to that is that when you find something that you truly love and are passionate about, Fives will tend to hole up, I guess I should say, or completely separate themselves from society and learn every single thing there is to know about a topic. And they won't feel confident about that or competent about that until they know every single thing about a topic. And when they do get into that competency, what happens is they can jump to other situations and other numbers within the Enneagram chart, specifically when fives do feel extremely confident and competent about a topic, they will jump to an eight, typically, not all the time, but typically they will jump to an eight, the person who seeks to control a conversation based on what they know and their confidence in it. And they will not back down, they won't budge off. And this is one of the things that I see on social media a lot with photographers is when they are competent and confident about something, 
conflict can arise very quickly in that situation and it usually results in one person is right one person is wrong even if it does relate to the creative process even if you do just simply put something out on social media a simple tweet somebody out there who runs and jumps to an eight is going to find conflict with that and whether you ask for it or not is going to jump in and tell you what they think about it, whether you like it or not. Now, <clears throat> this is one of the things that has helped me with photography and interacting with others about photography is knowing that when somebody comments like that, I can say, well, this person is kind of feeling this way and this may be their main motivation behind that comment and it doesn't get under my skin as much as it would have in the past now it does still get under my skin sometimes i'm not going to lie about that but i think that when you do recognize that people and their personality can bounce around to other traits. It helps you understand people and it helps you to relate to them and interact with them in a very positive way. And that has really, really helped me because when I did start photography, I went through my burnout phase, went through my PTSD and anxiety phase, and then got back into photography what I was able to do is not let those comments, not let social media just really bog me down as a photographer. And it's helped me really get back on my feet. Now, another thing that fives in general, and this is just relating to me because I know a lot about my number and what I can relate to and how I can relate to other numbers, is that it's helped me understand that when I am in a very uncomfortable situation, I will often act completely out of the norm and I will jump to a seven and be very outgoing, very uh, extroverted, and I will act in a way of the ready, shoot, aim personality type. I'll do things without thinking. I'll be very uh, rapid fire with actions that I take and this has helped me know that I am not great at doing workshops. I know a lot of people do workshops. I know that I am not great at them because I do jump to this personality type and I become very sporadic with things that I do, not like illegal things or anything like that, but I act very outside of myself and that's very exhausting and conflicting in my mind of how I think about things and how I envision photography as a whole. So all of these things, relating to other people, knowing self, relating your, your personality back to landscape photography helps you appreciate photography more and helps you interact with your photography more based on knowing your core intentions. Now, how can this help you in your photography? Understanding self and purpose in your photography is gonna be a big part of this. And what I found and what really helped me fall in love with photography more is understanding myself and my personality. It's gonna help you enjoy photography more. It's gonna help you learn how others think and act. Maybe you are a workshop leader and you are 
very confused by all these other personality types that are all around you and you want to know more about these personality types. For example, I used to get very frustrated that my wife cared nothing about photography even though we would go hiking together and I would take a photo and she would just be like, meh, looks like a rocky landscape to me, meh, some cactus here. When I got back from Death Valley, I showed her all my images and she was just like, looks like it was a lot of sand and it was really hot. You probably got dry a lot. And that was her reaction to it. Knowing that she is a one and a very analytical person and somebody who strives for perfection in self lets me know that she has very little connection with the creative side and the artistic side that I have a strong connection with. And that's in turn made my marriage to her better and made our appreciation for each other's occupations stronger and really helped us as a stronger relationship and be able to move forward through that and not have as many, I don't wanna say arguments, but like confusion about how the other person is reacting, I think is the best way to put it. Now, I think that many photographers are introverts and listening to this podcast is gonna help them be very introspective to themselves and how they think. And I think that's a good thing, but don't get lost in all of this information. Go out, do the research for yourself. I have some uh, samples and some resources that you guys can use. Number one, that's going to be, again, on the show notes for this podcast at davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast slash personality. And the number one is the Enneagram app. That's the one that I was using to read through all the personality types of the Enneagram and relating to those. It'll help you understand a lot more in depth about what your possibility of being a certain number might be. And it'll also help you understand when you jump to other personalities based on your social setting and what you're going through. It's been a huge help to me whenever I am in the field. I've actually opened this app and read through my personality type and some of the others to help me connect to my image a little bit better. If you are a reader, there's the book The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron, which is really good. He also has a podcast by the same name with himself and Suzanne Stabile, who's been a big person in the Enneagram scene, who knows a lot about it. And uh, Ian Morgan Cron also has a podcast called Typology, which I'll link to over there. And I think the biggest resources and takeaway that you can get from this is be honest with yourself be brave creators. We are all creators of art. We put our art out there to the world to see whether we ask for it or not. They judge that art and it comes back to us. So continue being a creator. Put yourself out there for judgment. Be brave. And really my mantra for 2020 is be vulnerable. Open up to people. Open up to yourself. Learn about yourself and how you react and connect to the things, the activities, the hobbies, and the people that you love.